y'all. This is What Fresh Insight, a show that looks at the big questions from new, unexpected angles. Who are we? What is really going on? And how do we bring good into this mundane, sublime, spiritual, and sometimes silly world of ours? I'm Sarah Bariza, a writer and musician, and today I am joined by Michael Engelhart, another musician, and we are here to talk about how Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is the worst ever. I mean, not ever, ever, but you know, it's it's a terrible, terrible story. So a little bit about Mike. Michael Engelhart is a choral and pop music artist, and his work has been featured in all the fancy places, ABC, NBC, PBS. NPR, all the good places, and y'all, he founded Beer Choir. I don't know if you um, have a chapter in your city. There's a number of chapters in larger cities in the United States, but he's the founder of Beer Choir. How cool is that? He has written so many fantastic arrangements and compositions. He has produced music, and um, he's also an all-around great guy. And we're not talking about music at all today. We're talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So, Michael Inglehart and I talking about Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer. Y'all, I am here with Mike, and I'm going to describe what I'm seeing because it is so fabulous. <laughs> Mike has a, uh, the, the background on his Zoom is Santa Claus with all the reindeer in this sleigh, and he is wearing an elf Santa sweater. Um, we've just seen the cute little dog, and it is, it's like so much Christmas cheer, and um, my background is like exercise equipment and like... The eaves of the upstairs of my house and like an unmade bed. <laughs> With exercise equipment, it's like it's you're you're ready for New Year's already. Yeah, it's it's my what is that? That's my husband's rowing machine. I mean, I'm glad he uses this every day. Like this is great. I had to look at it and be like, oh, you look fabulous. Um, but it lives up here in the office. So Mike and I were talking this summer, and we actually just met, and I was telling him about this podcast that I was gonna start, and I was like, because I really really need to talk about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and why it sucks. And Mike was like, well, yes, because it's the worst. Um, and yet Mike has all these awesome little stuffy toys from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because it's also fantastic. Oh, oh are you going to hold one up? Yeah, I also love it. This You so count's the best. Uh, he's a good guy. He's got his flaws, though. They all do. Yeah, they, yes, it's it's like, like people. So we're going to talk about why Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is kind of the worst knowing that like, I mean, it's got great music and it's great. Like the stop animation, like there's so much good stuff in it, but also like the underlying narrative is really horrible. So. Yeah. I feel like there's, there is a good like nugget of a message in there. If it weren't for the script, like the song, <laughs> yeah. you know, the song is like, okay, everybody picked on him, but then Santa, you know, was his hero and saw that, you know, no, this isn't, you know, the, the song is like sort of lays out a much, a much nicer narrative than what the movie actually does. Yeah, I um, I uh, hadn't seen this movie in a while. Uh, I, I still haven't. I have a five year old and I still haven't played it for him yet. Um, although, actually, I think he's watched it at daycare. <laughs> Pretty sure he's watched it at daycare. But um, I couldn't I didn't realize I could I didn't even like remember how many problems there were. And then I started like reading through the plot and everything. I was like. Like oh, you've yeah. got the rage boss, like the head elf, who's such I, I mean, he like goes berserk on people. Um, you've got you've got the mean music reviews and the mean choir director, and Mike and I are both choir people. And who wants to work for a meanie like that? I don't want to sing for someone who's mean to the tenors. Well, yeah, and then Santa, 
Santa's pr- maybe the worst of all of them. He's maybe terrible. Santa might be the worst character in the entire script. It, I, it's because it, at that choir, I, I wrote it down. What does he say? He says, "Oh, that needs work. Yeah. I've got to go." And then he just yeah. gets up from his chair and leaves. And then, yeah. yeah, and then the, the underboss starts to berate the the poor elves. That was terrible. The tenors were weak. Oh, you, you got the best. The tenors were weak. Uh, there, Clarice's dad is horrible. And oh yeah. Amanda Clarice. Clarice is the the little girl reindeer, and she like wants to be nice to Rudolph, and her dad is like, "No, you're not allowed to talk to him. My my little girl is not allowed to talk to people like him." Yeah, it's. More along the lines of no doe of mine will ever oh. be seen with a red-nosed reindeer. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, that's almost word for word. See, so I come at this movie from a place of like just loving it through childhood. And then when our kids were about three years old and one year old, we started watching it after Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. And that became our family tradition. Now we've done that for maybe five years in a row. Our kids are eight and six. And you know, after Thanksgiving dinner is over, we all sort of retire to the living room and we turn on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It was so cute. Our our son, the oldest, couldn't produce pr- pronounce Rudolph properly oh. there for a couple of years. So he called it Dowrolf. So now we all go around the TV and we watch <laughs> Dowrolf after Thanksgiving. And then, you know, over the years here, as I've been watching, I'm like, there's some terrible stuff. <laughs> there's, I mean... There are some real uh, moral failings in this in this movie for as also, you know, I mean, I also I also kind of love it. So I got sort of this this love hate relationship with this movie. Um, But yeah, definitely some uh, some not great messages, uh, some some not great themes come out in this script for sure. I feel like like there are so many problems and then there's like the underlying like to me, the like the core problem is that people, the misfits, are not valuable unless they're useful. Right. There's like there's no intrinsic worth to the toy. There's no intrinsic worth to Yukon Cornelius. There's no worth to um Her- Herbie. Hermie. No, Hermie. Hermie. There's no use to Hermie. There's no use to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer until they do something useful. Like 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 Yukon right. Cornelius. Um, you know, he's, he saves them from the bumble and, and Herm, Hermie takes out the teeth. And so, okay, now you can be a dentist cause you saved us from the monster. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And you know, it, it goes even deeper than that. Like I, I just watched it this morning with my kids Oh, nice. and I've got my clipboard here full of notes Oh, tell in chronic- me. chronological order through the movie. I was struck by th- this time. I caught something that I had never caught before which was there's the song that Burl Ives, who's the narrator, he plays the part of Sam the Snowman, who sort of you know narrates throughout and then sings the songs. Uh, he sings the song Silver and Gold after they mm-hmm. meet Yukon, and Yukon is a prospector, and he's got his sled dog team, and and he's out there looking for silver and gold. And um, and then after they after that scene, you know, you come cut back to Sam the Snowman, Burl Ives narrating, and he sings the song Silver and Gold, Silver and Gold. And I never caught it before, but there's a line in there about how, or he goes into like a little narration while the music is going about how a tree is, is just a tree. It can't be like how it has less meaning or value until it's decorated with silver and gold, like a Christmas tree, like trees are just trees, you know, like not really valuable things until they're dressed up on the outside 
with silver and gold. I'm like, oh, what in the world? This, this is, is like <laughs> this is like the reverse of like a sacramental theology, which is like um like in some Christian traditions and in other faith traditions, like the water is blessed or something like that. And right. it doesn't mean that the water is then more special. It means that we're seeing this water as all water is that all water is already made good and already all of these things. And we're just recognizing it already. Right. Oh, oh. yeah, you're right. The it tree is. is already good. The tree doesn't, <laughs> the tree doesn't need the decoration to be good. Sure. You right. can have the direct decoration, but the tree is already. But good. not in this movie. Think oh. People and things are not good until they have some sort of external use, external usefulness. It's like inherently like, the you know it's the, the implication is that there's very little inherent worth for people just being or, or things nature toys whatever mm-hmm. being valuable just because they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah which is such an awful what? what and especially when i feel what like a lovely christmas message it's like true for all the characters but yeah. it's like highlighted through the the, the narrative of the storytelling Through the lens of the misfits, the ones who look weird, the ones who are want to do something weird, uh, you know, quote unquote weird, right? You know, even but but it's still the case for the trees, for all the you know, for all the other elves. None of the other elves are allowed to do anything different either, and they're not valuable unless they fit into the system and do do the what they're supposed to be doing. They make the toys and they sing the songs, Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. that's what makes them good. And they're and the tenors aren't good as they are; they're weak. Sinners were weak. I can do all the voices, by the way. Oh gosh. I don't know where to start. I mean, the first the first scene, you got sexism and body shaming, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right off the bat, you know. Yep. Mrs. Claus sort of being, you know, in sort of this 1960s gender normative role kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Making and, everybody uh, eat. Yeah. And she's, <laughs> I put out a little Facebook note right before our talk saying, Hey, anybody got any thoughts about Rudolph? And, uh, one, one friend replied, yeah. How about the skinny shaming? Yeah. You know, because, uh, nobody want nobody wants a skinny Santa. She says to Santa, mm-hmm. you gotta be, you know, eat, everybody's Papa, expecting, eat. she uses the word expecting everyone expects a big fat Santa for Christmas. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So, um, and you know, Sam, the snowman assures us, don't worry, Mrs. Claus will have him plenty fattened up before Christmas. Mm, Cause it's her job to be the yeah. keeper of the body. Yeah. And, and Santa's less valuable if he's just, you know, a, a skinny lean Santa. I mean, everybody's expecting him to be, you know, the big fat man with the bag. So right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> Basically scene one. My gosh. And then, so. Oh, the other thing. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Did you know that? Okay. So we meet Rudolph and he's just been born. His, mm-hmm. his father is Donner, who's on the sleigh team, right? Yep. His mother, we, she doesn't have a name. She's referred to later on as Mrs. Donner. Yes. She doesn't have her own first name. This is so how I feel Donner every and time. Mrs. Donner. This is how I feel every time I get a letter addressed to like Mrs. and Mrs. or Mr. and Mrs. My husband's last name, which is not my last name. And I'm like, but I'm a person. person." Right. Well, and and I think, you know, the the uh, the the trend used to be to um, it was Mr. and Mrs. Michael Englehart. Yeah. You know, like it was Mr. and Mrs. Then 
the husband's first and last name, like mm-hmm. completely are, erasing any kind of identity. <laughs> you know, those old cookbooks that are like uh, fundraisers, you know, we're going to fundraise for the yeah. whatever. And like the old ones have Mrs. Husband's last name, husband's first name, last name, and then parentheses, Betty. Ah, like, yes. She gets her name in a parentheses. You are parenthetical. Yes. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, so man. there's Mrs. Donner. Who so doesn't there's get Mrs. A name. Donner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, right off the bat in that first scene, you know, Rudolph's um, Rudolph's nose shines bright and, uh, the, you know, Donner starts in about, I mean, can I just read this section of the script? Because I, yeah. I think this is this is where everything is like established. Um, all right. Let me find it here. Okay. Rudolph says Papa and Mama and his and his nose starts to glow. Mrs. Donner says he's he's got a shiny nose. And then Donner goes, and I can do this really good. Shiny. I'd even say it glows. That's all okay, right? So they just initial reaction. And then Mrs. Donner, well, we'll simply have to overlook it. Donner says, how can you overlook that? His beak blinks like a blinking beacon. (laughs) At that point, Santa enters the cave. Ho, ho, ho. Well, Donner, look at this little guy. Aren't you a sturdy little fellow? Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, And you're smart, too. And then his nose starts to shine. And Santa says, great, bouncing icebergs. Donner, now I'm sure he'll... I'm sure it'll stop as soon as he grows up, Santa. Santa's line here. Well, let's hope so if he ever wants to make the sleigh team someday. And then after Santa sings his song and leaves, Donner says, oh, Santa's right. He'll never make the sleigh team. Wait a minute. I've got it. We'll hide Rudolph's nose. Hide it, says Mrs. Donner. Donner, yeah, come here, boy. And he puts, you know, rubs some dirt on his nose um, to, you know, to 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 hide to hide his nose and that's sort of the you know the beginning of the whole thing so he's shamed by santa and he's shamed (laughs) by his his own father people to be shamed you're shamed by your father and then you're shamed by santa claus which is kind of like especially uh, i mean for children like my uh my five-year-old doesn't like believe in santa but like santa is still like this mythical person to him it's like you know almost like a deity, like a minor deity. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. And for Santa Claus to be the one shaming you. <laughs> like, yeah. And then later on, Santa, uh, later, later on in the script, Santa shames Donner because they actually are successful at hiding his, uh-huh. what, what's uh, snow, the Sam, the snowman says his nonconformity. They're mm-hmm. actually successful at hiding his nonconformity for a, a year or so. And then, uh, then it comes out, you know, it sort of pops out again later. And uh, Santa shames Donner for having, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, what are we going? I, I feel like one thing that we're not, we haven't said yet, but is, t- in my opinion, totally part of this is Hermie reads as a gay character, for sure, and possibly Rudolph does too, or in some way, like it is the parents' fault for raising the child in such a way that you know they're non-conforming. This is this happens to parents whose children are autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, well, this is your fault. You weren't a loving mother or, you know, what, whatever the thing, whatever the narrative is, is if the parents had just done it the right way, Rudolph wouldn't have his shiny nose. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I was trying to, I was trying to make a note just sort of since we're, since we're on the shame situation here, obviously Hermie gets shamed by his boss. Mm-hmm. Hermie gets shamed by his fellow elves because he doesn't like to make toys. Yeah. Right. He doesn't like to do the same things the same way as everybody else. And they literally say, shame on you. 
Mm-hmm. They in unison, all of all of the elves say shame on you to Hermie. Which I made is to a l- say his whole community says shame yeah, to you. Like right, that is yeah, that's like exactly. like a like a shunning. Like <laughs> we're exactly we're done with you, buddy. Exactly. I uh I I I put a I made a a little chart of characters here in my notes. I've got one list of of characters that I'm calling the shame squad. And then, and then on the other, the other side, it's the league of acceptors and affirmers and some, some characters show up on both lists, but uh, yeah, it's really, I mean, so who's in the league? We've got Cl- Clarice for sure. Yeah. I put Clarice there. I put uh, uh, Rudolph's mom, mm-hmm. Mrs. Donner on that. She, you know, she has the comment, well, we'll just have to overlook it, which, mm, oh, okay. Not the best response mm-hmm. but at least she's you know like, like i don't know this is fine this doesn't really matter yeah yeah don't don't worry too much about it donner um kind of a thing um mrs claus shows a little bit of acceptance at the at the elf practice where she thinks santa's being too harsh on them then again you know she's skinny shaming him so she's on both lists uh hermy is an acceptor right he you know um do you mind if I have a red nose? And Hermie says, not if you don't mind me being a dentist, you know, right. It's like, okay, we're misfits together. I, mm-hmm. We're going Let's to be, be independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're yep. going to be independent. And uh, Rudolph's like, okay, can I be independent or whatever you said with you? You know? Um, and then I've got Yukon uh, in, in the list of acceptors because he, even when Rudolph's nose was sort of, uh, you know, sort of, exposing them to the abominable right so he was a danger to his friends because his nose was shining bright and and attracting the abominable's attention um uh yukon has a line where he says you're staying with me you know like you're you're with me now i'm taking care of you and when rudolph is trying to talk to them when they're at the they're sleeping in the in the cabin at the island of misfit toys which they're only given one night to stay there, which, okay, we can talk about that later. That's a whole other weird thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but Rudolph is trying to tell him I should go because, you know, my nose is, you know, it's, it's dangerous for us. And they're like, no, no, no. Um, You know, both Yukon and Hermes say no. And Hermes says it's settled. Mm -hmm. You know, we're leaving together in the morning. And then Rudolph decides on his own sort of in his own little self self shaming that he, he sort of goes off on his own. Um, you know, as a loner, he's like um, accepted that narrative that, okay, yeah. well, the nose makes me not, not worthwhile. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, even if, even if his friends are telling him to the contrary, it's already sort of built into him by that point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. They aren't like unable to undo. Yeah. So, undo so, the so, trauma. Yeah. So that's the list. That's the list. Oh. There's a little bit of a turn toward the end, but boy, it's shallow and quick. Yeah. Like there are the apologies and there are apologies before they like, uh, I think it's from a, from Donner and from the head elf. They apologize before they discover, Oh, well, Rudolph is going to be useful to us, but Santa doesn't come over, you know, Santa, the, the mini deity, like he's not, he doesn't come over and accept Rudolph until Rudolph is useful to him. Right. And there's never an apology. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, I have this bracketed here because this all happens in like within about a 20 second, 30 second time span. Um, the most meaningful conversation is between sort of the, uh, the middle boss, middle management bossy elf 
who mm-hmm. um, he and Hermie have a nice little conversation about, you know, Hermie being able to set up a dentist office now and mm-hmm. setting an appointment. Let's let's Hermie look at his teeth and that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. so they, yeah. they have a nice little kind of meaningful exchange. But Santa in that scene, he doesn't talk to Rudolph about I'm really sorry, you know, that, uh, you know, that I shamed you or that I didn't accept you the way you are. And all, and I almost, you know, and all that led to you and your family almost getting killed out in the wilderness. <laughs> Minor you know. detail. <laughs> yeah, right. He doesn't mention that. What he mentions to Rudolph is that he promises that um, that he'll find a place for the misfit toys. Right. So in that in that sort of um, reconciliation scene you really don't get that between Santa and Rudolph ever. Donner says very briefly, I'm sorry too, Rudolph, or I'm sorry, Rudolph for the way I acted. And that's it. Just that uh, line. Which don't... isn't even accepting him for who he is or even, right. I mean, not even going beyond ex- forget loving him for who he is. I mean, let's just get add acceptance for who he is. <laughs> right. No real so, that either. So you get a little bit, you know, he takes responsibility for his actions. I'm sorry for the way that I acted, but we don't ever get that moment of, you know, we, you know, we're sorry. We didn't, you know, we didn't love you for who you really were. Mm-hmm. And then it's not too far after that where Santa sees the value in Rudolph's nose because of the blizzard and all that. And, and he asks Rudolph, if he would lead his sleigh and Rudolph says it would be an honor, sir. You know? So it's like, Oh no, Ru- oh, no. Yeah. now you're going to get your acceptance and your yeah. esteem from the outside, yeah. you know? And we, we just never get that moment where Santa says, I'm really sorry, Rudolph. I'm really sorry. And mm-hmm. Rudolph says, well, I, I, I appreciate your apology, but you know, we almost got killed out there and it was really hurtful and hard. And I, I think I can forgive you, but it might take a while for us to be okay. You know, yeah. I mean, like yeah. that's like yeah. the real world kind of conversation yeah. you hope for your kids to see, yeah. you know, in, in this children's Christmas movie that you never really get, you know, you never really get that. You just sort of get, oh, okay. Everybody's cool now because now we've got a use for Rudolph's nose. So, I mean, I'll still watch this. You still watch it. For sure. I think that it takes some explanation. Like as I was watching it with my kids this morning and I'm writing out my notes, there were a couple of times where a line happened. I'm like, what? No way. I think about the tree. I never caught that about the trees. Well, and Sam, the snowman, once, once they, um, like Yukon falls off the cliff. Right. And then they all have to get back to, to, um, and they're like, well, do we go after it? Do we go save him? And then Sam says, no, they thought that it would be best to get the women back to Christmas town. I know it's, and I, I'm like, what? So I circled that right away. You know, <laughs> I, I, there were just a couple of zinger moments where I'm like, oh my goodness, I just didn't even realize it. Like the Mrs. Donner thing, just so, you know, like all of that stuff. And I think that, um, you know, explaining to the kids that, you know, Santa didn't make the best choices in that movie. Mm -hmm. You know, Rudolph was, is a really great reindeer and he deserved to be loved just for who he was. Mm -hmm. And the people around him couldn't really see that. And they didn't Mm -hmm. really do a great job of apologizing to him at the end, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I I think, you know, there are some, there are some lessons that can be talked about, Mm -hmm. um, for sure. So I'll still watch it with the kids. Yeah. And, and we love all of our little, you know, like I got, 
I got a little Hermie here. Oh, I got, we've, got, we've got a stuffy oh, for... Stuffies. They're so got, cute. Yeah, we've got Hermie, Yukon, the Abominable, Rudolph, and Clarice. So then there's the whole like, well, we can also love it because like, I mean, the soundtrack is like gold. And the yeah, the Johnny Marks tunes. so great. Johnny Marks tunes. And it's all that They're old so orchestration good. stuff with the background vocals that are sort of jazzy, you know, mm-hmm. the woodland creatures singing yeah. jazz. I mean, the, the melody of There's Always Tomorrow. That is a great melody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's <laughs> the, that's a, a golden moment, too, where you get somebody in his life who says, you know, don't worry, today didn't go your way, but there's always tomorrow for dreams to come true. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, Clarice sees him as a valuable person. I mean, person, you know, valuable reindeer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Go Clarice. Yeah, exactly. I think that she's she's actually maybe the best character in the whole thing. <laughs> I yeah, her her and Rudolph are pretty, pretty great. And I think, you know, the kid I think kids can um identify with things about them that are different from other people. Yeah. And people in their in their communities, in their schools and and in in their, you know, friend groups where they can identify when someone else has what this movie would call a nonconformity, you know, something mm-hmm. that's, yep. that seems different to them or when they oh. can, you know, when they see um, some of their other classmates picking on someone yeah. because of some sort of difference. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a good movie to, to, to keep that conversation going that, you know, the people around Rudolph really didn't make good choices with regard to how they talked to him and, you know, they didn't. And, but, but we don't want to be like that. Right. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we, we can be better than that for our friends, even if they have um, differences or things about them that may even make us a little bit uncomfortable at first. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We're going to look, we're going to look for, you know, who they are on the inside. Yes. Who are they on the inside? time for What Fresh Delight, and today the delight is an album by Michael Engelhart. It is called Whole Notes. So if you um, look online at Michael's website, which you can find in the show notes or just by Googling, or if you look in something like Spotify, you can find Whole Notes, uh, one word. The full title is Whole Notes Volume 1 Downshift, and they are slower tunes, and um, Mike describes them as positive, affirming, hope-filled, inspiring, and empowering vibes. It's so... It's chill music, and it is the kind of music that you want to um, have on if you like to listen to music while you meditate or in a, a kind of a meditative space. Really lovely to listen to. So that is our delight of the week, Whole Notes. All right, y'all, it's time for our read of the week, The Gunkle by Stephen Rowling. Now, I didn't know the term gunkle. It stands for gay uncle. And Patrick, the gunkle in this book, is a kind of, um, not down on his luck, but kind of out of the scene television actor. And he's dealing with his own set of traumas. And then his best friend, his sister-in-law, dies from cancer. And he is suddenly in charge of taking care of her children for the summer. These are like elementary age children. And hijinks ensue. It is heartwarming uh, without being like saccharine. It is um, funny while still like dealing with really difficult, uh, really difficult topics throughout the whole book. And um, if you like me are sitting here in December going, oh, it's getting cold in the Northern Hemisphere. It's getting darker. Uh, it's set during the summertime and it is sweltering and it is a nice, uh, a nice break from the cold weather. So The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. That's it for What Fresh Insight. I'll be back next week with another episode. And if you want to get in touch, I'm at sarah-bariza.com. Thanks for listening.